Holy Chit, a spiritual podcast with Reverend Bonnie Rose. Each week we'll try to bring a talk from the past so you can hear what you missed. This week's old shit from the Ventura Spiritual Center for Living is from August 2nd, 2021. The talk is entitled, Don't Let Your Dogma Mess Up Your Karma, Relax and Enjoy. Here's Bonnie Rose. A lot of times people in this denomination have come from uh, spiritual teachings where they haven't felt served by certain uh, dogmas and certain words and whatnot, and some people struggle with the word God. But what if we were to call God crazy love, right? <laughs> crazy love. Thank you so much for being. Thank you so much for being who I am. Thank you so much for expressing every detail of my life. Crazy love. I love you. And crazy love. I know you love me. And so it is. Amen. <laughs> now, for those of you who are familiar with the teaching, you may have noticed that I forgot to release the word, the prayer, into the mystery of the law, which means that it got stuck. But we'll do it again. We'll do it again, I promise. So, anyway, um, the, the talk topic today is don't let your dogma mess with your karma, mess up your karma. Don't let your dogma mess up your karma. And I'm curious, how many of you have either ridden in my car or surreptitiously peeked in the window and seen what the inside of my car is like? Just to show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the rest of you are. Um, if, if this was a class, I'd have you all talk about what you saw. Yeah, I see you, Hugh. <laughs> He's been riding in my car a lot. It is completely filled with dog hair and sand and dirt and sometimes a dead animal smell. Because uh, as I said to Edwin Gaines, who's a famous spiritual writer, when I picked her up at the airport, I have a very active lifestyle. <laughs> I take my dogs lots of places. So funny, I have my car... So my dogs mess up my car a lot, <laughs> and sometimes my karma. But I, I had it detailed the other day. <laughs> had it detailed the other day, and, and I was talking to these these sweet. I'm going to call them boys because I'm old. They're in their 30s. But so you know, when you're in your in your 60s, every, everybody under 40 or so is like, oh, you sweet young man. I just want to pinch your cheek. <laughs> so I went up and I spoke to the boys, and I'm like, guys, I'm so sorry. It's so bad. Is it horrible? And they kind of rolled their eyes, and one of them said, yeah, you have the trifecta, dog hair, animal smell, and sand. <laughs> I'm like, I know. And then to make myself feel better, I said, well, is mine the worst car you've ever done? And I was so happy to hear that I come in third after, <laughs> after, well, they do a lot of Uber cars where somebody calls the car if they're drunk, you know? So there's a bit of, let's call it, hurlage in the back seat sometimes. <laughs> so I come in after that, and dead bodies. Sometimes I get a car with a dead body in it. So I was kind of proud of myself that my car is not as bad as a car where somebody has vomited or died. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> anyway, I digress, because we're talking about not letting your dogma mess up your karma. And I want to tell a story about how my karma almost got messed up by my dogma. Some of you have heard this before, but never in this context. This happened shortly after the Thomas fires. And I was with a good friend who lived on the top of Sulphur Mountain, and there was a lot of fire up in Sulphur Mountain Road, as you may have remembered. And so it's, this was, we, we were, I don't know, a week or so in, and we had to go up there to see if his house had burned down. And we were driving up, and we, we transcended several police barriers and talked them into letting us get up there. And there were fallen trees and small fires everywhere, and some of the houses were standing, and some of the, the houses were not standing. They were partially standing. They were completely burnt to the ground. 
and we drove and we drove and we drove and we were almost at the place where we needed to go and we stopped because there was, a, there, there was this electrical wire across the, the road and it was about this high or so. And just as we drove up, driving up the mountain, this guy was coming down the mountain and he stopped also and all, all of us got out of our car and we looked at the electrical wire. So the guy that we were speaking to, let's call him Paul, because that's his name, so <laughs> we've actually become friends. <laughs> uh, he's, he's like a kind of a burly guy, and he knows about construction and stuff, and he's a contractor, and I'm trying to fix him up with someone in the church, but she's not biting. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Paul said, here's what we do. That's not a live wire. You stand on it, and I'll drive over it. <laughs> heard that and then and then when you get out of your car and and I'll stand on it and you drive over it this is where my dogma kicked in this man with authority wants me to do something I like to please people who here is a people pleaser I tend to kind of have this knee-jerk reaction when somebody wants me to do something unless they're close to me Live with me. I, I tend to want to do what they want me to do. So I felt my brain say, okay, I'm going to step on that wire. And I felt my legs start to go. And then my dogma switched off and my karma changed because I said a fateful sentence to Paul, Paul the enforcer. I said, Paul, you go first. <laughs> And he did, and he did not get electrocuted, and then I did it for him, and it was fine, and we went our separate ways. <laughs> but, you know, I, that moment of realizing when our story is affecting our actions, that's when, you're, when your dogma is messing with your karma, right? <laughs> you know, my, my dogma was I have to do what this person wants me to do because he knows more about it than I do, even though I really didn't want to do it. So I started to do it, and then something switched and I realized that I did not have to follow my dogma. I could create a new karma, one where I did not get electrocuted. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so um, that's what today is about, is to, is to notice where we may have some internal dogmas that are messing with us, that are messing up our karma, that are messing up our, way, our pathway in life, and seeing how we might be able to flip that and do something differently. This talk is really about freedom. It's really about freedom and really about understanding that in whatever we encounter, whether it feels good or bad, there's always a better way to be with something. You know, right now I'm, I'm a little distracted by the, the noise out there. It's drilling. But instead of getting irked about it, well, first I blamed Kenny. I thought it was a sound thing, which is always good. <laughs> always good to blame the sound man when something doesn't sound right in the, <laughs> in the house. But for, I went out there and I just talked to the guys for a minute and I said, guys, you are going to hear some great music today. And they said, oh, good, it's a church. Will you pray for us? Of course we'll pray for you, you know? So those guys that are making noise, they could be a distraction or they could be lost souls looking for prayer. I prefer the latter. Instead of having the, the dogma telling me that they're an annoyance and, and acting from that place, I'm having the, the new vision that they are people that are just like me, that want prayer and that want to be loved, and I can set a new cause in motion, which is to just love them and pray for them and understand that the noise is not bigger than the message, right? You know, during the pandemic, there was lots of talk about I can't come to church if I wear a mask, you know, because I can't worship with a mask on. 
how powerful is that little piece of cloth, you know? <laughs> okay, don't get me started on that. That's a, that's, not a to that's a topic right now. We'll get to that l later, maybe on. But, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about dogma and karma and what it really is. So I looked up dogma in, in, uh, on the Internet, and just so I, was ma I made sure that I was speaking about what it is and correctly. And generally it's defined as, as an indisputable truth an indisputable truth, or something that we believe is an indisputable truth. It doesn't necessarily have to be true, but it's something that we believe is an indisputable truth. I also looked it up on urbandictionary.com. Do you know that site? It's kind of a contemporary site that's kind of cool. It has fun definitions, and it said, dogma is what a puppy calls its parent. <laughs> <laughs> so I rather like that definition, but, but they also said that it's, it's a truth that we, that we hold uh, that, that has, that is not open for discussion. It is the truth, and it is the truth, and we believe that truth, and we act like that truth is true, even if it's not really true, right? There's all kinds of dogma. How many of us have been subject to religious dogma? Just a show of pinkies. You don't have to raise your whole hand if you want. You can show. <laughs> so funny, when I say a show of pinkies, it's supposed to be private, in case you don't want anybody to know, but I'm always like, see people out there like this. <laughs> Show of pinkies, yes. So many of us have been subject to religious dogma, things that, um, you know, that, that, that people say are true, and we act like they're true because we've, somebody in authority has said it, kind of like Paul telling me to step on the wire, you know? He happened to be right about that. But, the, you know, I, I could name so many, um, so many dogmas that I've heard from people from, um, from this center and people that I just know in my life, and I don't particularly want to want to bag on any particular religion, but um, have you heard the joke? <laughs> Why do Southern Baptists forbid premarital sex? <laughs> because it might lead to dancing. <laughs> and I apologize to any of the Southern Baptists in the house. I know that there are two that I can see from here, and if anybody else is, you know, I feel you. But anyway, so lot, there, we carry around a lot of dogma like that, and there are far more serious dogmas that we carry about, um, you know, bigotry and, and stories that we tell ourselves, but that's, that's one of them. But, you know, what I've, there's also this whole thing of, um, of like, socio-political dogma that is getting so um, exposed right now. It's on my mind because I have to do an interview on Tuesday where um, this person wants to interview me about the divisiveness in our society. <laughs> I'm like, uh, how, will, how will I fix it? <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, because, you know, if you go, I, I don't go on Facebook very much, but I hear that there's still a lot of bickering back and forth on, on Facebook about various things. And I do go on Next Door View sometimes, which is just a big complaint fest most of the time. And most of it is about, um, you know, pandemic-related pandemic things, politics. And um, oddly in Santa Paula, there's a lot of bickering back and forth about, about firecrackers, about fireworks. And, and there, people are so sure that they are right, and there's no listening to the other. And the thing is, is that when you're wrapped up in dogma, you don't know that it's dogma. You don't know that it's dogma. It's just something that you believe. So I, I look at that. I, what did I, what? Your dog knows, of course. <laughs> you look at that, and, and you see that, that maybe I'm doing this too about some of the stories I tell myself. You know, that to me is kind of what we target here in this spiritual center, in this teaching, is that we look at our own personal dogmas. What are we telling ourselves? And what are we holding as an indisputable truth about ourselves? 
So, you know, I just described the one in my story about Paul where I have to please people in order to be acceptable, right? Another dogma that a lot of people carry, I encounter people with this all the time, is this, this dogma that we tell ourselves that somehow we're fundamentally flawed, that somehow we're separate from God, that somehow we are not enough, and we have to prove to the entire world or to anybody in our purview that we are more than enough or that we are enough or that we're even barely acceptable. That's a dogma that we carry. That's a dogma that we carry a, a lot. Many people carry that dogma. So if you, if you would, take, take a moment and see if there's a place in your life that doesn't feel good, if there's a place in your life that feels impossible, if there's a place in your life where it feels like you're stuck or hurting, and just wonder with me if maybe there is some unconscious dogma playing itself out there in that, in that place in your life, playing itself out, a thing that you're telling yourself about yourself that you're believing, a thing that you're telling yourself about the world that you're believing, and just see if that's something that you can, at least for now, small steps, just look at. In the reading it said that religion sometimes feels like it's providing all the answers, but really the function of religion is to question all the answers, right? So question what you're holding as a dogma and think about how there might be a better way. We, the other thing, too, is that we have personal dogmas, but we also have what in this teaching we call race consciousness, which means human race consciousness, things that we all hold, things that we just take for granted as true. This is, um, hmm. this is revealing as to how strange I am, but that shouldn't be a surprise to any of you. Um, I have, uh, as you know, some of you, some of you know, I've, I talk about it a lot, that I have what I think most people would call insomnia almost every night, but I don't really call it that anymore because I wake up happy and curious. I think, <laughs> I think of insomnia as a bad thing. I wake up happy and excited to look something up online <laughs> or write something or think deep thoughts or listen to a, um, like a, a meditation tape or something. <laughs> but the other day I woke up happy and excited and I wanted to research a store that I knew when I lived in North Carolina. The Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> okay, question, Linda Drevenstedt <laughs> and others. How many of you have ever shopped at the Piggly Wiggly? Oh, the, oh yeah, Jeff from North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just wondered, I don't know what made me think of the Piggly Wiggly, but I, I wondered w if it was still around, you know, because it's got a really odd name. And it's, I don't know whether it's in the, I think there's a uh, few states in the north that have it, but it's mostly in the south. And I remember shopping there when I lived in North Carolina and, and just, just being tickled going in there because of the name. So I looked it up to see if it was still around. And do you want to hear something awesome about Piggly Wiggly? <laughs> yes, he said with great enthusiasm. <laughs> so Piggly Wiggly was the first self-serve grocery store ever. So you think back, I didn't know this, but I, I didn't know this. When you, when you think back, like think about if you ever watched Little House on the Prairie, right? And they go to the Olsen store, Nellie Olsen, Nellie Olsen, the real, you know, whatever, I don't want to say the word. But <laughs> they go to her parents' store and, and they ask for what they want, Ma and Pa and Laura and the other one, ask for what they want, and, the, and the, the proprietors get the stuff for them. That's how all grocery stores used to be. And the guy who developed Piggly Wiggly said, we're not going to do that anymore. So it was this dogma, there was, it was a pigma, it was, a, it, was a <laughs> it was this incontrovertible truth that a, that a grocery store had to be like this, but then this guy changed it. He looked at that dogma and said, maybe there's a better way. 
And when I look at this on a more global level, you know, right now we're having this dogma, perhaps, that we are divided and that there's no solution and that we don't know what to do about all of the arguing that's going on and there's such a broad platform for it right now. Maybe that's dogma, too. This we are divided and we don't know what to do about it. Maybe there is a solution to it. Maybe there is a better way and we just don't know what it is yet. We get to open ourselves up to receive that and then, as the, as the reading said, start living like that truth or solution or spiritual approach is true. And I don't know what that is yet, but I know when I'm doing this interview on Tuesday, I'm going to be talking about that, that we don't know how this is all going to turn out, all of this divisiveness, and that maybe we could open up, moving beyond the level of the consciousness that, that caused the problem, moving into a greater consciousness, maybe something will shift, and maybe even what's happening now is a blessing. You know, and the truth is, when I look at this, I, I've been listening to some strange pop culture things lately, some things about Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton and, um, you know, how people attacked Elizabeth Taylor. Hugh, Hugh actually used to know them and he would go out with them and people, they'd get into the limousine and Elizabeth Taylor would say people were grabbing at her fur coat trying to take a, a piece of it, you know. And, and I just read about Johnny Mathis and how he sort of accidentally was betrayed. He came out of the closet not on purpose and people were giving him death threats, you know. And I think that this consciousness has been going on for so long, but maybe because we have these social media platforms and it's being so exposed, maybe this is an opportunity to really look at our dogma about disagreement and set a new karma in motion, set a new path in motion. Which brings me to karma, which I meant to talk about a lot earlier. A lot of people, you know, th there are many, many different definitions of karma, um, and, and I'm going to go with the science of mind definition of karma, which I have been all along in this talk. Ernest Holmes, right there, black and white, says, karma is the law of cause and effect. The law of cause and effect is karma. You set a cause, perhaps the cause is dogma, and you set a cause in motion and it has the results. He talks a lot about that our thought creates our reality. And the, I, I usually say the quality of our thinking creates the quality of our experience so people don't get too literal about it. And honestly, it's more than our thought. You know, I, I think Ernest Holmes always urged us to be open at the top and to accept new, new ways of expressing these, these invincible spiritual truths. I listened to an Esther Hicks thing yesterday. Esther Hicks, who, who channels Abraham, who's a, uh, a mystic from the other side. And, and she was talking about karma. And she said karma is your vibrational level. So you attract that which matches your vibrational level. And I think that when we talk about the science of mind, or when we talk about the word, or when we talk about um, the mind in, let, let the mind of Christ be in you, whatever that quote is from the Bible, you know, we're really talking about more than just our thinking, right? We're talking more about our vibrational level, our whole being. And so our vibrational level, what we're vibrating at, and our thought certainly feeds that, that is what sets the, the wheels of karma in motion, and we experience that which matches our inner vibration, which is thought, emotion, being, action, all of those things. You know, jumping ahead a little bit, when I, when I first started studying the science of mind, I used to think it was the science of my mind. You know, I could figure my mind out, and then I could have whatever I wanted. <laughs> mind means God, or as we call it now, 
crazy love. Who's going to figure out the mind of crazy love? Not me, but I'm going to have fun trying to do it, and I'm going to try and stay away from dogma that prevents me from doing that, right? You know, speaking of, of dogma in religions, there is dogma in this religion too, and, and I, I also often try and challenge it, and I, I'm sure I've got my own dogmas. I, I have many dogmas, actually. Um, but I, my, one of my beliefs about this religion is that we get a little bit rigid about the manifestation piece of it, that if we just think, think hard enough about it or if we think, um, think long enough about something or if we think correctly about something, then we can have whatever we want. And the truth is, is that we can have whatever we want, but what we really want is crazy love, right? And it's also this idea that we're going to do this thinking and this process and this praying, and we're going to have it somewhere down the line when we get our act together, when we get it right. But the truth is, the truth is, I know this truth. You can, you can ignore me if you feel like this is dogma. <laughs> but the truth is, is that we have whatever we need right now, you know? It's that old Joel Goldsmith thing of that God cannot give us anything because God has already given us everything. And it's the Jesus thing of you cannot add one cubit to your stature because you already are everything. I read Little Soul in the Sun this morning before I came to church this morning. It's a children's book about this, this, this little kid that wants to come to earth and experience forgiveness. And God and all the, the angels around him are saying, but you already are everything. And he's like, yeah, but I want to experience it. I want to experience it. One of his, and, but he says, I, I'm going to need someone to forgive. And one of his friends comes to earth with him and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a sacrifice for you. I'm going to make myself so bad that I'm going to give you the opportunity to forgive me. But the only thing is, is that you have to remember who I am. Remember who I am. And that is some beautiful karma. <laughs> that is some beautiful karma to take in and live and embody and allow that consciousness of forgiveness to fill every fiber of our being, including the people drilling out there who seem to have stopped. Thank you very much. Power of the law, people. <laughs> the power of kindness. <laughs> the power of shifting our dogma. And then everything works out because everything has already worked out. You know, there, there's these ideas in, in Science of Mind about the four kingdoms of consciousness, of how we work with, with the law, how we work with the law of cause and effect. And the first one, the first kingdom is, is where we feel like we are victimized by life, where we feel like we have no responsibility whatsoever for what happens to us, right? Something happens and it's that person's fault. I have to watch that all the time with the people that I, that I observe sometimes on my little Next Door View app where I find myself, I'm complaining about the complainers and I have to back up and say, it's not the way to do it. Bless the complainers. Bless the complainers. <laughs> so that's one thing. And when we let go of blame and shame and regret, we start to move into a second kingdom of consciousness, which is the consciousness of recognizing that it is done by me, that we do have some power, that we have the ability to shift our thinking, to shift our dogma, and to create results and to create happiness in our world. Not, and again, it often looks like happiness down the line when we get it right, but really if we're doing it with the full intention of Ernest Holmes and the full intention of the mystics, if we shift our happiness, that's the answer right there. If we shift into a consciousness of joy, joy is what we get. And then the joy manifests in external representations, but it matters so much less because we've already shifted in consciousness. But the, the second two king, the third and fourth kingdoms, when we let go of control, that, that kingdom too, 
has a strong element of control in it. When we let go of control, we move into Kingdoms 3 and Kingdoms 4, which are so similar that I'm going to talk about them together. Kingdom 3 is recognizing that it is done through us, and Kingdom 4 is recognizing that it is done as us. So in Kingdoms 3 and Kingdoms 4, we, we transcend the illusion of separation and we allow this power and this presence that is greater than anything that we know, greater than anything that our small minds can fill up, can fill us with, and we move into this place. And instead of saying there is a power for good and I can use it, we say, thank you, God. Thank you, crazy love. There is a power for crazy love and I allow it to use me. I allow it to use me in ways that are beyond my imagination. And that's when life really becomes beautiful. And my friends, that's the only dogma I want. That's the only dogma I want. And I hope for that dogma for all of you, should you decide to accept this mission. Is that mission impossible? <laughs> mission, I'm possible. <laughs> Let's say it that way. <laughs> I didn't make that up. I stole that from somebody, by the way. But can we accept that mission? Can we accept that vision? Can we accept that dogma of recognizing that, that all is one, that God is all there is, that there is this perfection, that there is only consciousness, that there is only love, that there is only peace, and that that peace and that love is longing to express through us? Can we accept that and allow that to be the only dogma, the only dogma that we need and then apply it to every single situation in our life? You know, Jesus, one of our many teachers in this philosophy, said, these things ye shall do and more. And I'm not, I think he probably wasn't talking about, you know, raising, he might have been, but raising people from the dead. I know Terry Cole Whitaker said she used to go around practicing on dead birds and whatnot and saying, rise up. <laughs> I don't know whether she was successful with that, but these things ye shall do and more, I think to me means to bring these principles into every single detail in your life, whether it seems petty or whether it seems huge. These principles are universal. There is no size in infinity. There is no small, there is no large. These principles apply to everything. And sometimes a thing that seems small to some people or that seems small to you or that you're embarrassed by being upset by it because it seems so small, sometimes that, tapping into that and resolving that and finding a greater consciousness around that can change everything. There is no small in infinity. In fact, small is incredibly powerful. <laughs> so that's, I think, what we do with this message. You know, I was, I was rereading this poem um, from Rumi last night that I, I, will, I, I didn't write it down, so I don't remember it very well, but, but God is saying to Rumi, to us, basically, he's saying, you know, what should I bring you? I, I have nothing to give you. You have everything. Why should I bring gold to a gold mine when you already are the gold mine? Why should I bring fruit to that which is abundant? Why should I bring, bring love to that which is already so loved? And God says... I didn't know what to get you, so I got you a mirror. Look in it and see who you really are. And that's the beauty of it. You know, our life is a mirror. Your life is a mirror. You get to look in it. You get to see where that mirror is a little bit of out of alignment. And, you know, if you've ever looked in the mirror and saw, saw that your, your hair is all wonked out or whatever, or your, your eyelashes are sagging, for those of you who wear false eyelashes, Jim, no, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you don't touch the mirror and try and fix it, do you? You go to the source. You go to the source. So when we look at our life as a mirror and see that something is a little out of alignment, something is other than what we want, let us go back to that source 
and remember that only dogma that we need, the idea that there is one life, that life is perfect, inclusive of everything. That life is our life right now, and we can live like that truth is true. Let's practice that now, and let us pray. Thanks for listening to this week's Old Holy Chit, a spiritual podcast with Reverend Bonnie Rose. If you like what you hear, come join us in person at the Ventura Center for Spiritual Living. Check us out online at www.venturacso.org. Be sure to subscribe. And so it is.